You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Today you're getting our thoughts on the 2023 Broadway revival of Parade and the new pop albums from Jesse Ware and BB Rexa. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half Hour! What's up, everybody? It's Jeff and Richie, your co-host, and we're bringing you our weekly conversation on our top theater and pop music topics. We're going to go in depth on our theater piece today, so if you don't want to know about that until you see it, just skip that segment and move on to the pop section. Yes. But, wow, Richie. Yes. What episode is this? This is episode 100. I can't believe we've reached 100 episodes of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. I can't believe it. What are your thoughts on that? We started this in the pandemic, watching things on TV and film. We didn't have concerts to go to and Broadway shows to see. And 100 episodes later, here we are. What are your thoughts? You know, it's so crazy because this really started out as this fun little pet project for us. And we were like... You know, we're watching all these movies, we're watching this TV, and we had thought about this idea in a Broadway theater once, and we were like, no, it's never going to work, we're not going to do it. And then, like, when the pandemic happened, and we just started doing it, we were like, oh, this is fun. And then finally, when Broadway reopened, we were like, hello, let's go, we're going to six, and it was our first, like, live performance on Broadway that we brought that, you know, live in-person episodes back. So it was like, it's super cool. And now here we are. I think we had used to have so many family and friends ask us, what did you think of that show you just saw? What did you think of that show? I want to go see a show. And we'd be like, all right, well, we're going to make a podcast. Of it. So many people <laughs> wanted to know what we thought of these shows. Uh, and it's cool to talk about our opinions on this. You come from a music background. I come from a theater background. And we work in those worlds um, now. So two worlds coming together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, as you've heard in 100 episodes, clashing of um, opinions. Sometimes you've heard agreement. Sometimes things we loved, we didn't <laughs> like, and everything in between. I got to kind of go way back and listen to like that first episode and see how far we've grown, right? Which but, was The Boys in the Band. Boys in the Band on Netflix, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been a couple of years. But um, we love doing this every week. Now, as you know, we've changed the format a little bit. We're now in a weekly pop and Broadway space talking about the things we're seeing. Because at this point, we're basically seeing a Broadway show one or two a week at this point. Because why? It was our mission to see every Broadway show that opened on yeah, Broadway this season. This Tony season. And, and we're almost there. We have a few to go for the month of May. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more to come with that but yes 100 episodes like celebrating the 100th day of school <laughs> yes and we've also put a little bit of a structure here to our segments as well so we'll go through each one as we get to them yeah. mm-hmm. but what are we starting with today it is our broadway bite broadway bite uh broadway bites uh today's spotlight is the 2023 revival of parade so tell us a little bit more about parade yeah so parade is a musical that was on broadway in 1998 it won the tony award for best score and the tony award for best book it has a jason robert brown score and alfred urey a book. It was directed by Hal Prince in the 90s, and those were the two Tonys that it had won. Um, now we're at the Broadway Revival 2023. Fun fact, actually, Hal Prince uh, directed this, the legendary Broadway director. Mm-hmm. Hal Prince turned to Jason Robert Brown to write this score, apparently after Stephen Sondheim turned it down. So I don't know if y'all knew that, but I was I read that fact. I was like, wow. And this was Jason Robert Brown's first big Broadway thing. He had done off-Broadway and still continues to do smaller pieces on Broadway, off-Broadway, but this was his first big thing. So to work with Hal Prince and JRB coming together like that, that is pretty cool. Big... And I did not know that Stephen Sondheim turned this project down. So. Why do you think he did? 
I don't know. I feel like we didn't really get mega Sondheim shows in the 90s and early 2000s. Mm. He was kind of slowing down a lot of his work. I don't, maybe the late 80s was the last time we saw like a ton of Sondheim. So mm-hmm. who knows, you know? But uh, yeah, this... Um, so we did not see the original in the 90s. We just saw this revival, on, um, which is directed by um, Michael Arden. And it is a starring Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond mm-hmm. playing on Broadway right now um, at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater. I was blown away by this. I've always loved this score. I'm a big Carolee Carmelo fan, and I loved hearing her (laughs) sing the original um, just in theater school and learning some of the music of this. It tells this horribly sad story. Mm -hmm. um, And this was an actual trial in American history. Mm -hmm. um, And how someone was wrongly convicted. And I... A 1913 trial and imprisonment and the 1915 lynching of Jewish-American Leo Frank in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to dramatize that onto the stage and to bring this to a stage piece is difficult in and of its own way because it could have been a film, mm-hmm. right? Um, and to and not just to tell the play version of it, but to, to musicalize it on top of it. There's gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching moments of sadness. And then mm-hmm. there's romance and love between the two leads. And... Just how his life unravels to this tragic end. It was told so well. There's so many amazing moments in this piece. But overall, I just really, really enjoyed this. Mm. What did you think? Yeah, I actually wrote down for my overall thoughts here that, you know, I think this show really captured and displayed how I was supposed to feel at the end of this. And my feeling really was just quite angry. But it also had, I, I had a lot of sorrow after watching this because I was like to see Leo Frank be wrongfully wrongfully convicted of this crime. And you're seeing all of this like non evidence come about to pin this on him because they just needed to pin it on someone. It just made me feel like why? Mm -hmm. And I know the whole point is like, they wanted justice for this girl that was, you know, raped and then murdered. But why just pick someone because they happen to be in that same facility? But there's like kind of a lot of questions. I don't know. You know, it, it was a very, very sad thing because there was no evidence that he did this. And yet they mm-mm. continued pursuing it. Yeah. And there's what I really love about this piece is that there's layers here. There's racial layers. There's gender. There's age. Mm-hmm. There's, of course, anti-Semitism. There's so many things going on here that you can really unravel. 1913 wasn't that long ago. I mean, yes, it was over 100 years ago. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, we've come a long way. And then, in some ways, unfortunately, we haven't, because the first preview of this show was met with anti-Semitic neo-Nazi protests. Um, So it's just crazy to think that we've come so far, but we have so far to go still with this, right? Bringing that up, I think that's such an important question, too, is, like, people still think that he did the crime. Mm. And even with evidence proving that he has not done the crime— and they're still coming and they're protesting and they're saying he's a pedophile and why do people support him? It, you know, it's kind of interesting mm. to see like why, what, what's the point of that? Mm. And to know that this trial is still ongoing. Well, that is do- the, because it was just recently reopened mm-hmm. the trial and I didn't even know that till I got to the end. So spoiler alert <laughs> is this ending is amazing. I want to yeah. talk about that with the direction in a second. Um, I do want to talk about the set. 
I feel like we're always talking about the set of a Broadway show, but I feel like this the was hot a button topic. Yeah, but you know what? Year. This was a set revolution for me, and I'm going to tell you why. We are so, you know, we talk about this country being so polarized. It's this or it's that. It's this or it's that. Mm-hmm. In Broadway, it's become it's beautiful, lavish, grand scenery or it's minimalist, bare scenery. And there's this like it's either one or it's the other. I really feel like. This took the best of both worlds. And that is a really smart scenic design and director choice to say, let's do the projections, mm-hmm. let's keep it minimalist, but let's fill the stage still. Yeah. And so they put furniture from the time period up there. The, of, and those were people sitting in the trial and then sitting in their homes and then sitting in offices and then sitting. And then the platform that was raised was the trial, was the jail cell, was the mayor's home they focused the direction to the front and center stage and then everything else was around it so there was this minimalist feel like use your imagination as the audience but then there was there's also like no i'm not just gonna have a bare stage so it was like so smart to take the boat we didn't need clunky furniture or um big lavish set pieces flying in and out like that and then we also didn't need just a bare stage either do you know what i mean you know, thinking back to it now and that you're bringing up some of this, it's like we almost were the audience of the trial. Yeah. And it you kind of were so immersed into this set because they had the cast members coming through the audience. And they, they were in the box seats. And they were in the box yeah. seats. So it made you really feel like, okay, I'm watching this to have my own opinion. We're not the jury because the jury's off to the side, but – we are watching as an audience in a normal courtroom setting of like, okay, we're watching this trial. And to to that point, the direction of it was mm-hmm. incredible. I've always been a fan of Michael Arden's work. And I look at this now and I say to myself, you're using actual photos of these actual people behind them while they're standing there speaking. Mm-hmm. That's chills in and of itself. And then you're starting and ending the piece and you're really ending the piece with the modern day college kids that maybe we want to say, or young adults mm-hmm. sitting there in the park where that monument sign is hanging. And it brought us to the modern day. Like we, how many times do we walk by a monument or a sign that says something happened here in American history? Mm-hmm. And then to say this case has been reopened chills. I got yeah. such chills at the end. Like that's the way to end this, mm-hmm. to say that that story is, this story's not over. Yeah. And we need to keep talking about this. Yeah, I think there was a lot of great moments in this piece overall. And that was one thing, too. Were there any other direction choices from Michael Arden that you kind of really were taken back by? I I did like the... um, She was flown in right at the back at some point. I thought that was really ghostly and angelic. And it was a reminder that at the end of the day, there was still a little girl that died. And this ghostly, angelic spirit of this girl loomed literally over our heads. And so then there was this saying, there was this like sadness in this town that we're trying to find out who did this. It's being done the wrong way, but this girl died. It's sad. And then you're met with this like, I mean, not to mention just gorgeous vocals and, and, and score to tell the emotions of all these people is just incredible but i have to just bring this up because i i don't know what it is and i'm so curious to hear your <laughs> thoughts on this 
that I'm I'm like sometimes I love titles of shows and sometimes I'm kind of getting sick of like blank the blank blank story blank the Carol King story the Neil Diamond story and that's part of the title I miss like titles so parade <laughs> right and I'm like why is this called parade and throughout the piece they keep saying well it's Memorial Day mm-hmm. we have to go to the parade are you going to the parade it's Memorial Day but it's Memorial and this all happened around Memorial Day and there was this like. We, like, celebrate Memorial Day. And I always thought it's, like, instead of, I always thought Memorial Day was, like, we honor the people who have lost their lives fighting for this country. Mm -hmm. And we, like, parade that. Mm. And so we celebrate with marching bands and flags and then we have barbecues and we have the day off of work and we, like, like, have a day. And instead it's, like, why are we, why do we, like, have that celebration? Of course there's a lot of places play go to memorials and lay a flag down and there's services in all around America. But the word parade is so daunting because what was being paraded in this show? You know what I'm saying? Well, it starts with the Memorial Day parade, but also as the parade continues on every year, it's like, okay, Memorial Day and this trial is going on, but also what do we end up memorialing? In this show. We memorializing so memorialize. many. Yeah, we memorialize so many things, and yet we don't mem- memorialize maybe always the right things in this show anyway. Because they're saying, well, we got to go to the thing. I'm like, well, wait, there's a trial. Someone died. Like, yeah. what? what's going But then there was also, like, there's wars happening at this time. And what an interesting But at the end of the of day in this show, history. we end up, it, it becomes a memorial to both um, the girl that is murdered and then also to Leo. Yeah. And it's just crazy that I just love the title of this and how parades are just like, it's the juxtaposition of a parade usually means happy things, Mm -hmm. meaning with this horribly sad stuff going on in the piece. So I just have to bring that up in Memorial Day and and what we do on Memorial Day. So I I did want to talk two last things before we move on to the pop music. I, I want to talk about the music of the show and I do want to talk about who my spotlight is on here. And I do think the, the, the show stealer of this is Michaela Diamond. Yeah. I just think she really, it made, she just made it so believable that she was Lucille Frank. Yeah. And Ben Platt is doing great. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But he was Ben Platt. Uh-huh. You know, but what she is doing is so different. Yeah, she's amazing in this. Yeah. And and their scene together, that duet they sing at the very end when they're together on the floor. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like tears. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is an incredible production that people need to go run and see because it's only limited playing to August yeah. as of now. And I think... So here's my thing with Jason Robert Brown. Like, I think he, the orchestrations are beautiful. Yeah. And you you know a Jason Robert Brown score as soon as, you know, yeah. the first yeah. note happens. But I, I did have some issues with the lyrics and the delivery in this show because I missed a lot. And mm. maybe it was done intentionally, but... I just think that there was so much happening in this story that it was important to know what was going on, and I missed some of it. So mm-hmm. okay, you know, it's a he writes a lot of pattery songs, yeah. and sometimes when you have large orchestrations with a lot of fast speaking and the sound designer mixed on top of that, yeah, could, yeah. you can miss some stuff here and there. Yeah, yeah, so. but beautiful production. Go check this out. I mean, this has got Tony Awards written all over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, and we're gonna find out in a couple days couple uh, what days. those nominations are. So, but now we're moving on. That was Parade, and that was the Broadway Bite of the Week. But now we're moving on to You Heard It First. Yeah. And this is where we talk about the music that we have heard. Yeah. 
the new albums and who our spotlight artist is here. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're starting with Jessie Ware yep. and the title of her fifth studio album. Wow, fifth. That feels good. Yeah. Features 10 songs. Um, this actually kind of was a long process for this album because... She released the first Buzz single last summer, um, mm-hmm. which was Free Yourself, which we were immediately like, okay, give us the disco, de- yes. Jesse." Yes. Um, but we didn't know if she was going to release an album, and she finally did. So what did you think of this album? I love my Studio 54 <laughs> 70s, 80s, disco-y vibe mixed with ABBA and all that and dancing. And yeah. I love it. I love. I think she has a nice voice. I think the production quality is really nice on this. Free Yourself is great. Pearls is great. Those are probably my top ones. I actually like the opening, the title. Uh, that feels good. It was it was fun to get yeah. into that song. It's a way, this good whole way to disco start the moment. Album. You know, I I do want to get into a bigger topic of like seventies music and disco coming in, but I want to before leaving Jesse and um, talking about BB here. But BB Rexa also released BB, yeah. yeah, which was this is BB's third studio album. Features twelve songs. It has Snoop Dogg. It has David Guetta. It has Dolly Parton, all yeah. featured on the album. Um, BB was quoted saying that this was inspired by Fleetwood Mac. Okay. It was inspired by romance, and it was also inspired by weed. So. Okay, three very different things. <laughs> yeah, but it still all has that like seventies ish yeah. vibe. Yeah. Um, but this, in my opinion, really captured, and I think both albums are great. But this really captured that seventies Euro dance style, more like ABBA. So we have like this ABBA sound going on now with BB, and then we have this more full. Disco, like Diana Ross, Donna Summer sound going on with Jesse. What did you kind of feel like BB's album did this week? BB's album was similar and different. Yeah. I kind of feel like they were like, I was like, oh, this is kind of a similar vibe. But BB does her own thing too. Yeah. And I think BB's got a great sound to her too. They're just two different artists. They're powerful women with powerful voices who are just taking on. I, I like to use the word eclectic beat. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not the same BPM or the same, okay, like, pop. you know, I love how pop could be anything right now, well, you know? Yeah, right. So this kind of leads into the like, a whole bigger uh, conversation yeah. here with both albums, both pop stars here. Disco and that 70s sound is really predominant in the music industry right now and i think what's happening is like the music's kind of coming and it's going and beyonce released her like continuous house album and now if you listen to jesse's it's continuous you can just run with it bb same thing it's continuous and it kind of it's similar it keeps happening and you're like okay well that song kind of sounds the same and the lyrics are different but i'm like okay that one's good that one's good but like what do you feel like this longevity is for music like this right now um, in the industry? Because it was so big in the 70s disco era. And now it's like, it's having a moment, but does it live on? Yeah, I do think that. I sometimes feel like the pendulum will swing the other way at times. And sometimes we need like a break from a sound. Mm-hmm. I kind of always feel like that. Yeah. Like... Like Broadway took, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it back to Broadway. Broadway bring it back. To Broadway. <laughs> Broadway took such a break from big band jazz sound for the longest time. Yeah, and I love that sound. So when you see like New York, New York, and some like it hot, and these jazzy big band splashy shows come back, we're 
maybe ready for that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like with pop music, yeah, like maybe that like, you know, grunge rock of the early 2000s will come back in five or 10 years because we're kind of on a break from that right now. We're doing our like disco vibe, right? I don't know. I feel like sounds come come and go. I feel like though, I guess a big topic that I've been really feeling a lot, like that I've been seeing on social media and I've been talking with other people too is like, where's like the it pop girls? Mm. And when you listen to something like BB and you listen to that feels good, it's like, is it that it sound like, does it really embody like in think of like 2008 to like 2016 when like the Katy Perry's and the Lady Gaga's and the Britney Spears's and and the Beyonce's and the Rihanna's were all putting out this like music that we still listen to today. I unfortunately think that, and this comes down to it a lot too, the market might be a little saturated right now. And everybody, it's very, and I am glad that it's this easy, but it's very easy to produce music right now, Mm -hmm. put it out on your own, not needing a label. So, so many people are trying this. And so, so many people put out albums, like this is Jesse Ware's fifth album, but like, does the average person in America know who she is yet? I don't know. You probably didn't even know that she had five albums. No. But I love and her also, sound and her vibe. Also, this is BB Rex's third album. Yeah. But it, it, right. And then, like, we talked about like, Tuve Lu, same thing. Like, where is that breakthrough to get to Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga and Beyonce and that, and that. Right. And those moments. it girls are still having the, you know, Taylor Swift released Midnight's and then it's amazing. And Beyonce released Renaissance and it was like amazing. And it's still that it sound, but they create that sound yeah. and we're, I'm just kind of trying to find out, like, are new It Girls going to be born into the industry? Like, I think the last time we've, you know, seen this now was, like, Olivia Rodrigo, where she had massive stardom. Like, you heard that song, you're like, that's Olivia Rodrigo. Mm -hmm. You heard this song, you're like, who's singing this? Oh, BB Rexa? Or, oh, oh, Jesse Ware? Yeah. Like, they just don't, I don't, they're just looking for their brand, I guess. And it's Sometimes it's unpredictable. Yeah. And sometimes it just comes to what does the world pick up on? Right. It's kind of like a TikTok trend. Like what picks up and what doesn't? Or what right. TV show blows out of the water and what TV show some people see and some people don't? It's just, it's hard. Right. It's hit or miss. But it's it's hard to see. You know, like look even behind me, like Lana. It girl, people know her. Yeah. Anytime she releases. Yeah. SZA, same thing. Yeah. She's a it girl in the R&B pop space where SZA releases something, it's going to be gold. There you go. You know, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. But like, we can keep I... enjoying this music and we can push it too and say, listen, y'all go listen to this, you know? They should listen to yeah. it, but I, I'm just saying, like, is it in one week and then next week know. are we on to the next? That's not for us to decide, I guess. It's for the <laughs> general public to decide, I guess. That's right? probably... I, I want to know, who's your next it girl, okay? Who is the next it girl? Let us know who the next it girl is. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm curious. Um, I... We're moving from pop music now to our next thing, which is In the Wings. In the Wings. I'm going to talk about some Broadway topics here, and I want to get Mr. Director Richie and his opinion on these In the Wings topics. Um, After 20 years, Barry Manilow and Bruce Sussman's Harmony will get its shot on Broadway finally. 20 years. Yeah, it took them a long time to get this here. That's scary. Yeah. 20 years. Uh, it's going to be playing at the Barrymore Theater, but Harmony chronicles the real-life story of the comedian harmonist who sold millions of records in the 1920s and 30s, made dozens of films, and sold out major venues around the world. 
Um, their heavenly harmonies and musical comedy antics captured these six talented young men from singing in the subway tunnels of Berlin to international superstardom. What happens in the next in the story is harmony. I think this is great. I mean, take something so successful that I don't even know much about, yes. and let's tell the story. But this is not about Barry Manilow's life. No, right? no, 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 no. This is about the group that you just said. Okay, right? yeah. they and, just wrote the music to right, it. Correct, correct. Interesting. I, I think that's great. And this played off Broadway to recently mix. very well. No, I think it did very well. It did well. I think it very well. And also in the late nineties, I think it was La Jolla Playhouse. I could be wrong in saying that. It was from the late nineties, and it hasn't made it. And so now it's here. Just goes to show how long sometimes, even with a big star's name like Barry Manilow on it, how long sometimes things can take. I think this is exciting. I think this is I great. Think it, well, bravo to them that it's finally happening. Yeah, but that's twenty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you think like, oh. How fast does it take to get a Broadway show? You hear something like Devil Wears Prada is going over here and it's doing this. And how many years is that taking? But now this. Sometimes it it just comes down to money and rights and avail. Yeah. Very cool. Also, The Shark is Broken is transferring from the West End to Broadway. um, And this will land at the John Golden Theater. Um, This play is a fictionalized take on behind-the-scenes drama at the 1975 film Jaws. Shaw will make his Broadway debut starring in the work, reprising his Edinburgh um, and West End performance as his father, Robert Shaw, who starred as Quint in the original film of Jaws. Which is very cool. I, I think this is one of my most anticipated shows of the season, I think, because I am so intrigued as to what he wrote as what happened on this boat. Well, I always say, like, take a specific thing and tell that story. Don't tell the life of blank. How many times is that not working? But, like, when you just pan over and you say, what if we do this? So it's like, <laughs> what happened on the set? Because if, if a lot of people don't know, that was a difficult film to... Mm-hmm. The, the when I think the title The Shark is Broken is saying how you know, the shark would break down a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it was a mechanical big shark in the ocean. They were out filming. So I, I, I would love to know where the... And could it be a film? Sure, but tell it on the stage. I think yeah. that's awesome. We just saw Life of Pi with all the aquatic features. I'm sure we can pull something really cool off yeah. here on stage. And I think it's going to be awesome, and I can't wait for that. It's, uh, it's such an interesting thing to be yeah. inspired by. Um, and also, something big is happening this week. Oh, What's yes. happening? The Tony nominations are coming out on Tuesday, May 2nd, and they will be announced by Leah, Michelle, and Miles Frost. I'm saying right now, and we'll talk about this next week, there's going to be a lot of snubs. This is a very heavy season of a lot of plays and a lot of musicals. And I hear only so many categories. We're gonna and there's having, only so many nominations. We're going to be having a whole nomination prediction episode, yes, which I'm are. so excited yeah, for. Because, because I think we're going to differ on some things. We're going to differ. We're going to differ on some things. We have this little competition because it's always a competition. <laughs> but... I love to win at the Tonys every year, getting the most things right, because how many years have I won? You always win because you put what you think is going to get it, and I always put what I want. And sometimes what I want is not always what winds up. I know. You have the two columns, what you think should win and what you know is going to win, because the Tony uh, voters are... are, Who knows? Interesting. We don't know. And (laughs) maybe one day we'll be Tony voters. We do see everything. So, hey, you know what? We should... uh, we have Get. seen everything, and supposedly, I don't think all of the Tony voters had to well, see everything this year. Well, there's the new rule year. now is that they were, you're allowed to kind of be omitted from not seeing one or something like that. But I'm like, yeah, I don't understand that. But Pick me, hi. <laughs> Hello, we saw I'll everything. Do, we we're saw almost, everything. We're almost there. We have a couple more to go. But, we uh, saw everything. Yes. All right. Uh, that's all exciting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 
And we're getting to our last segment of this episode, but it is the PMD countdown, the pop music drop, drop, um, where I count down the six songs um, that Richie gets to decide if he thinks they're going to be. I know you think these are all bops. I always think they're bops. These are the new pop songs that came out this week. And let's go. Um, Upsell is song number. Can you remind me of the name of Upsell? Good Girl. Yes. Yes. Good Girl Era. Good Girl Era, yep. <laughs> yes. Good Girl Era. Uh, is it a bop or is it a flop? I thought it was a bop. I like it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I did like it. I'm going to put bop on this. Uh-oh. Here we go. And one, for one. one for one. One for one. Then Jess Glynn, Silly Me. Mm, I put eh next to that. I'm sorry. I'm not really All doing right, this. Fine. It's not my thing. Uh, as a comeback single for Jess Glynn, I'm kind of in agreement. It's like a little bit on the fence. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm happy that... She put out a new song. Uh, then next we have Peach PRC, Kind of Famous. This is why I said cusp. I have to listen to it a little bit more. I, I like it. I'm just on the cusp still. You know how I get I got to listen to You're on the stuff. cusp because I'm still getting you into bimbo pop. But, you know. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a sub. It is. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> okay. Then uh, Jada G, Scars. Um, Same thing. I'm cusp on this. It's cusp. These are all growers for him. This yeah, week. I got to just kind of listen a little bit more. Gross. I'm not obsessed with any of them. Yeah. Okay, fine. And then we're going to get into our two spotlights. But in second place, I'm putting Jesse Ware, Freak Me Now. Bob, because I thought the whole album was great. And I love this song. So, Bob, Bob. That one's great. Yeah, big standout great. for me. And yeah. then last but not least, BB Rexa's Blue Moon. I put Big Bob because there's a big key change uh, in it. And I love key changes in musical theater. so many. But in pop music, I always say there's a really smart producer or writer on that putting that uh, key change in there. I immediately had to send it to him. And I was like, um, listen to this right now. There's a key it. change. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there we go. We're, you know, Paul, there's your pop music mm-hmm. drop. So nice. <gasps> Oh, oh my gosh, we are out of time. One hundredth episode. One hundredth episode. Oh, you. All right. Well, you all know what the bell sound means yes. by now. So uh, this has been another episode of Half Hour. We hope you enjoyed the episode. So leave us a comment on wherever you listen to the podcast, and make sure you subscribe to our podcast on one of your favorite channels. Yeah. Um, Next week, we have some new shows coming. New shows coming up. New music uh, yep. that we're going to be talking about. So make sure you tune in every week on Monday. We release on Mondays, right, for your commutes to or from work as you're getting ready for the week. Um, mm-hmm. Things we've seen in the New York theater space as well as all that pop music coming out. So. Yes. And if you're listening on the audio, we are now releasing our video on YouTube. Yeah. So make sure you go check it out on YouTube so you can see our lovely faces talking about yeah, all yeah, this good stuff. you can see stuff. us talking about this too. YouTube, <laughs> where you can see us and where you listen to your podcast where you can hear us as well as socials instagram and tiktok we're always putting some fun stuff out there make sure you check it out yes well that's all for now i'm jeff i'm richie saying bye hey it's leslie odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.